America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is The Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Is it a great day with the United States Senate, the world's greatest deliberative body as it used to be known? The United States Senate is about to vote on a fairly radical and a certainly very clear cut abortion bill legalizing abortion throughout the entire course of pregnancy uh, and just generally saying abortion good this is uh, the remember Bill Clinton used to say we want to um, make abortion safe legal and exceedingly rare uh, well uh, abortion has gone down but it's not yet exceedingly rare and the Democrats seem to be totally devoted to making it less rare than ever. The uh, Senate is going to vote. Uh, they are not expected to get the votes on this bill that they would need. They uh, were counting on getting a solid group of uh, Democrats all voting yes for the abortion bill. This is uh, creating, on a federal basis, because the House has already passed the bill, creating a federal right to abortion. In other words, doing what Roe v. Wade, it is widely expected because of the leaked draft of the opinion in the Dobbs versus Women's Healthcare Organization, Women's Health Organization in Mississippi, that because of that upcoming change in our constitutional order, uh, that uh, now the Senate is going to fill up the gap. Uh, to, it, it's it's very clear they will not get the votes they need. And in fact, the one vote they most wanted to get to have a united Democratic Party was Joe Manchin, who says he now opposes the bill, saying it goes too far. He's right about it going too far. We will give you these votes as they come down, and I'm sure there will be some very heated rhetoric about this. There was a piece in the Wall Street Journal that uh, it really goes to one part of the core in this issue and why it is so divisive for people. The Washington Post has a piece that says, culture wars are battles over what our nation values. Take one of the oldest culture wars in American politics, abortion. Do we as a nation value life at conception, as anti-abortion advocates put it, or do we put more value on the rights of the mother as abortion rights advocates uh, put it. Okay, the, the real question is placed in the Wall Street Journal by Senator Rick Scott, the senator from Florida, who's also the head of the Republican campaign to take over the Senate of the United States. Uh, that is uh, actually going to be a ferocious battle. And yes, of course, the battle is made more ferocious by this dispute on abortion with uh, every single Democrat, 49 of the 50 Democrats, every Democrat except for Joe Manchin of West Virginia, uh, voting to authorize this, uh, this women's health care bill. Uh, and of course, they call it a health care bill because they insist that abortion is health care. Uh, the, uh, the point that uh, Rick Scott makes in his piece, and I want to invite your comments on it too, he says, I have a simple question for Democrats. When do you believe life begins? 
The Republican position on abortion is based on a fundamental belief that life begins at conception. It's a conclusion grounded in faith and values, but also in science. And the best argument I have heard uh, supporting the, the premise that life begins at conception, that the baby in utero is a human being, okay, it's a human life. Uh, whether it's a human being, you can go ahead and say, well, in order to be a human being, you have to what? You have to have some uh, I individual agency. You have to be in control of yourself. A newborn baby isn't. And yet nobody believes you should have a right to abortion, do they? That extends beyond birth. That, uh, oh, if uh, the baby's not doing well, uh, and we decided we don't want the baby. No, it's, it's a, a, a human life. And it certainly is a life because, in other words, if uh, it is alive, it has a beating heart, it is going to grow unless something happens to terminate that growth and that development. And uh, it is also human. It is stamped literally on every cell in the body there there are the uh, genes, the genome, that, that indicates this is human. So it, it becomes very, very problematic when people always say, it's my body, my choice. This is somebody else's body and getting more so. And yes, a, uh, you, no one would accept the idea, would they, that uh, people would say it's my baby, my choice. And yes, my baby, my choice about what you want to name it, how you want to care for it. But we also have um, rules that are very serious rules about how you treat a baby. And it's, it's on this basis that this uh, entire argument, I think, is, is going on and without taking a look at the basic values. They... Uh, Rick Scott writes, put simply, science has revealed that an unborn baby is a human being, and voters agree. According to recent polling uh, the conducted by the National Republican Senatorial Committee, and this is supposedly to guide Republican candidates, 73% of voters agree that an unborn baby is a human being. So that raises the question, what do Democrats believe about when life begins? at conception, at viability, at birth, after birth? They won't say. Even more disconcerting, he writes, reporters won't ask them. Uh, since the leaked draft opinion in the case of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, Democrats have come out as the abortion extremists we've always known they are. They've staked out a position that is simply outside the mainstream of where average American voters are. And I think he's right about that. Democratic U.S. Senate candidates in swing states such as Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Wisconsin embraced legalizing abortion up until the moment of birth. Some, such as Ohio Representative Tim Ryan, who is uh, now the Democratic nominee for U.S. Senate in Ohio, are refusing to say if there should be any restrictions on abortion, whatever. In response to the leaked Supreme Court opinion, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer announced plans to move forward on yet another vote on the Women's Health Protection Act, 
which would legalize abortion up until the moment of birth. Uh, meanwhile, he says, Republicans are happy to answer the question of when life begins. We believe life begins at conception because we believe in science and place value in every life, born and unborn. Uh, once Democrats have an answer, we can have a legitimate debate on the issue. Well, we can have a debate on the issue, or at least uh, hear your points of view on the issue uh, right about now. We don't even have to wait until the Senate votes. The Senate vote will be almost surely uh, 49 votes in favor of the bill and uh, almost surely 51 votes opposed. That would be the 50 uh, Republicans. Uh, now, now, it's possible that uh, Susan Collins will not vote. It's possible that Lisa Murkowski will not vote. They do support having uh, new restrictions on abortion, more than we've had with Roe v. Wade, but uh, they do not support uh, basically the sweeping uh, uh, idea that either side is politically wrong to promote because most Americans on this are at least to some extent in the middle. Uh, how about President Biden? He was asked at his press conference a question about abortion. His answer? Extraordinary. Wait till you hear it. Coming up on The Medved Show. Michael Medved show. Uh, the President of the United States had a press conference yesterday. It was not a complete disaster, but it didn't go well. And uh, it didn't go well partially because the abortion issue is on the minds of the American people right now. And And by the way, let me ask out there, are there people out there where your position has changed on the abortion issue just in the last couple of days since the release of that draft opinion on Roe v. Wade, where there, there now is a different sense that you have on how the two parties are handling this issue. The reason I mention that is because I, I do think that uh, part of what we talked about yesterday is very much true. It's something that Peggy Noonan indicates, and I think she's right, is that the party that looks most extreme on abortion is going to lose, and is going to lose ground, because the American people, like the people in virtually every country in the world, are nuanced on this. Uh, all abortions are not morally equal. Uh, and it, it, yes, it depends on circumstances, it depends on motivation, it depends on how you see human life beginning. But uh, whatever happened in terms of Democrats to that idea, that Bill Clinton idea that abortion should be safe, legal, and exceedingly rare? Why, if abortion is a um, morally positive act, which I know that some Democrats have come close to asserting because it provides greater independence to women, uh, because it uh, 
prevents unwanted children from coming into the world, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if if uh, abortion is a morally neutral or a morally positive act, then why should you want to make it rare? Why would you want to do that? Uh, here is the president of the United States. He was asked whether or not he supports any restrictions on abortion. And and by the way, overwhelming numbers of Americans do. Uh, it's, it, the polls show consistently over 70% of Americans think there should be restrictions on the right to abortion, the right that the Senate is voting on right now to make unlimited. Here's the president's answer, answer the question about restrictions. He said, I'm not going to talk about now. I want the story to be about inflation. He thinks he's going to gain by talking about inflation. Well, if things uh, actually miraculously turn around on that issue. Today, they just announced that inflation, quote, barrels ahead at 8.3% in April from uh, a year ago, remaining near 40 years high. Uh, let, let us go. We'll get back to that in a, just a moment, of course, to Matthew in Oregon. You're on the Michael Medved Show. Hey, Michael. How are you doing this day? I'm hey, doing well. That's good. Go ahead. That's good to hear. Okay, so, you know, it's really fascinating because the other night I was talking to some of my buddies, and we were talking about this issue, and it really almost comes down to the way the Civil War came out because at the core of the Civil War was one real issue, and that is what is personhood? And that is the real question here is where – where is, you know, you have grains of sand that equal a heap, but where does the heap begin and where do the grains of sand end? Where is that, where is that transfer? And, and the thing is, is you're right. That needs to be answered, uh, especially by the Democrats. And I don't think that they have a way of, of doing it. And I've told you already that I'm, you know, it's murder. I look at it as murder, especially what we do today. But I'm not an absolutist. I understand that there are medical procedures where women... Like, it's basically like, I'm going to die if I continue forward with this. And the idea of extracting the child and trying to save the child, trying to save the woman, I'm okay with things like that. It's not that that I have a problem with. It's, it's this, I'm going to go get pregnant, or I'm going to go play around in the club, get pregnant. Oh, shoot, I was drunk all weekend, I got pregnant, and I need to get rid of the baby. That stuff is just disgusting to me. I mean, it's absolutely well, important. Look, I, it's it's one of those it's one of those things. Now, there people are going to um, call up and say, "Well, there's all kinds of disgusting behavior that goes on all the time," but government doesn't interfere with it particularly. For instance, government doesn't really interfere with people going around to the clubs and, by the way, spreading sexually transmitted diseases and um, and sometimes creating unwanted pregnancies. The, the the basic point over here, it, it seems to me, is um, I I know people. I have a, a a very good friend I haven't seen for years. He's uh, actually been living in Israel, but a good friend who was an obstetrician gynecologist and ended up stopping 
to perform abortions. He, he just wouldn't do it. it. It violated his conscience. And what persuaded him about that, and this has always stuck with me, is he had a sort of a high-end practice, and there was one uh, very successful career woman, happened to be an attorney, uh, who came into him for her fifth abortion. And again, given the fact that it's not, he was already getting upset by performing that kind of procedure, if you have somebody who takes it so lightly that you're, you're going to need the procedure five times. And, and she had said, and I remember the story, that the reason she was going in for her fifth time was because she and her husband had planned a trip to Europe and the trip would be horrible because she'd be sick during the trip. And, and so basically a matter of convenience. And does that speak about undervaluing human life? Um, because, again, maybe not a human being, but a human life. Um, the, uh, the point that you hear from the other side, Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, who is uh, herself an obstetrician gynecologist, she was on MSNBC defining abortion. Listen. Abortion is health care. That's period, full stop. That's what it is. We don't need to qualify it for, you know, in instances only of rape or incest or that sort of thing because what people need to remember is that pregnancy is not a neutral event pregnancy is one of the most dangerous things we can undertake hundreds of years ago people died all the time in childbirth and here as we know we're facing a maternal mortality crisis where people who have been historically marginalized are affected the most and these abortion restrictions will continue to affect them the most and worldwide dying in childbirth still happens very frequently so to say that we are restricting abortion because it doesn't align with our values, that's one thing if that's a choice you make for yourself. It's another thing when you force somebody to carry a pregnancy to term, to go through birth, the physical and mental toll that that could take under the auspices of this is a personal belief you hold that you are then outsourcing to somebody else. Uh, okay, is she suggesting somehow that we have a maternal mortality crisis? And that abortion is the best solution to that? Really? Uh, we will get back to that. We'll be talking about the world and Russia and Putin and what that means with Doug Schoen coming up on the next. Pleased to welcome back uh, Doug Schoen to this show. He is a veteran pollster, political consultant, strategist, a deep thinker, expert on foreign policy, and much, much more. He uh, also wrote a book uh, last year, which is a very important title and a very important message. The book is called America, Unite or Die. Uh, Doug, it's a pleasure having you on the show. Michael, as, as always, thank you for a very kind introduction. Well, okay, uh, let me just start out by asking you a question. There was a big vote in the uh, House of Representatives last night, and it was a vote on $39.8 billion in Ukraine aid. Right. And I, I thought very much to the credit of the House, uh, Nancy Pelosi actually led the fight 
to increase the aid ab above what the president asked for. And the president asked for $33 billion. They appropriated uh, $39.8 billion for Ukraine. Uh, you know how many Democrats voted no on the bill? How many? Zero. Do you know how many Republicans voted no? How many? 57. Okay. And that surprised me because you, you, you've written about Unite or Die. Yeah. I had thought that the support for the Ukraine, a passionate support for the Ukraine, emotional support for the Ukraine, I thought that was bipartisan and almost universal in the United States. What's going on? Well, there's a two-word answer to this, and it's Tucker Carlson <laughs> reflecting the isolationist strain in American foreign policy slash the Trump uh, uh, we can work with Vladimir Putin approach, the notion that somehow Ukraine is not our problem. Now, I agree with you, Michael. I believe that saving Ukraine is effectively saving democracy, both there and indeed around the world, reflecting our values and core interests. But uh, for those that are isolationist or for those who believe that somehow accommodation with Putin can be reached by not aiding the Ukrainians, uh, that exists largely on the Republican side. There are some far-left Democrats who feel that way as well, Tulsi Galbard, but uh, fortunately last night that was not in any evidence. Well, Tulsi Gabbard's not in the House, that's why. she's. No, she's I, I, I understand, <laughs> but I was reflecting no. the, uh, that worldview that uh, the far right and a segment of the far left takes. Yeah, Tulsi Gabbard actually, I think, would have a better future in the Duma, the uh, the Russian parliament, rather yeah. than going back to the House of Representatives. Um, so, given the 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 disagreements, at least in among some, about support for the Ukraine. When when people ask the question, and I know you hear this all the time, how is this war going to end? Because the the dramatization and the accounts of the suffering and the levels of genocidal murder and property destruction and the disruption of the lives of millions and millions of people, six million refugees already from the war in Ukraine, how does it end? Well, I think... It will end because of Russian public opinion. They have lost somewhere 15 to 20,000 soldiers. Putin has done his best to cover that up. But I think at a certain point in time, they will get bogged down in eastern Ukraine, as they have in the rest of the country. And their own domestic opinion will not allow them to keep fighting, notwithstanding what appears from uh, what Avril Haines said to be the clear intent of Putin to uh, carry on beyond eastern Ukraine and even beyond the borders of Ukraine. And beyond the borders of Ukraine, you mean uh, Transnistria and Moldova yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah, and Belarus and, and, and is already. I have friends from Lithuania who are scared to death that literally they are next. Lithuania is a NATO nation, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, so 
again, this is one of those other things that has just been inspiring to me is the the fact that the NATO nations have all stood fairly strong on this. And that means that under Article 5 of the NATO Charter, yeah. if there's yeah. an attack on Lithuania, it's like an attack on the United States, Canada, Britain, France, Germany, which is now rearming. All of that is a positive development, no? Yes, I think it is. But I will ask a question that I think is an open one. If Lithuania or Estonia or Latvia are attacked, do you believe with certainty, and this is a rhetorical question, that NATO would invoke Article 5 in the way that the NATO Charter envisions? I do believe that. Uh, I I mean, that that would be good and certainly something I would hope for. Uh, okay, so right now, uh, you, 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 we were going to talk about Russia, Putin, uh, Roe v. Wade, and midterms. Uh, yeah. The American people, I, I think, really do care about Ukraine. They, uh, they also care about Roe. How is that going to play out in the midterms? Is that going to be the life preserver that the Democrats are looking for? You know, Michael, I don't think it is. I think with inflation uh, as it is, the cost of living uh, being uh, increasingly difficult for people, both at the gas station and the uh, supermarket, I believe that ultimately it will be far more the cost of living and the stresses people are facing day to day than choice. I am pro-choice myself, but most Americans accept the fact that there needs to be some restrictions uh, on abortion. And I also believe that the Republicans will position uh, Alito's decision not as a pro-life decision, but as returning the matter uh, back to the states to allow effectively a legislative voice rather than uh, seeing it as a prohibition on the right to abortion, which in a number of states it, of course, will be, both because of legislation and trigger laws. You um, you also, uh, writing about the uh, midterms, you have a new column that there are three Senate races that will give the answer as to whether Donald Trump is still the undisputed leader of the GOP. Which three Senate races? I said, I think, if I remember, it was... Ohio, uh, Pennsylvania, and North Carolina. Right, and, and uh, Pennsylvania is coming up later if, this week. And my point is, if um, Dr. Oz wins in Ohio, and uh, I'm sorry, in P- Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, I misspoke. J.D. Vance having won in Ohio, and Representative Bud wins in North Carolina. Donald Trump, at least in the Senate races, will have run the table. Now, last night was a split outcome for him between West Virginia and Nebraska, but ultimately his influence is being felt, and I think if he has the success that at least I believe is possible, indeed perhaps likely looking at the polls, uh, there will be no stopping him for 2024. Uh Uh-huh, and uh, and if you had to predict now do you think his opponent would be joe biden if i had to predict now i guess i would say 
Joe Biden, but that is an unappealing choice. And I suspect <laughs> there might well be a third party. Uh, yes, maybe even a fourth or fifth. Who knows? Uh, Doug Schoen, uh, his latest columns and commentary posted at our website at michaelmedved.com. His book, America, Unite or Die. We'll be right back. Michael Medved show. Uh, generally, it's the nature of talk radio. I think, frankly, it's the nature of journalism altogether that it's uh, easier to talk about the wrong and stupid things that politicians do than to give some credit to uh, politicians who uh, actually do the right thing. And clearly, one of the most activist politicians in the country today, I mean, there's virtually every day there's something that Governor Ron DeSantis does at Florida, in Florida, that's either going to make you gratified or very angry. Uh, but uh, this is uh, a guy who grabs this moment in time in his two hands and moves with it. And uh, the headline from Miami Herald says, DeSantis signs bill mandating communism lessons. And by the way, it's not because he wants to advance the cause of communism. Uh, the story says public school teachers in Florida soon will be required to dedicate at least 45 minutes of instruction on Victims of Communism Day to teach uh, students about communist leaders around the world and how people suffered under those regimes. Speaking at Miami's Freedom Tower before a crowd of local lawmakers and supporters, Governor Ron DeSantis signed House Bill 395, which designates November 7th as the state's uh, critical uh, official Victims of Communism Day, making Florida one of a handful of states to adopt a designation. It is, however, the first state to mandate school instruction on that day as Florida Republicans continue to seize on education policy while placing school curriculum at the forefront of their political priorities before the 2022 midterms. Do I support this bill? With every fiber of my being. It is very important. It is extremely well put together and well thought out, and it's about time. And again, I, and I say it's about time because with what is going on in Ukraine, it's impossible not to know the context. And the context is some of the horrors of, of communist slaughter. And I, I mean, just just one little example of that. I, people know because it was emphasized on Victory Day, uh, May 9th, uh, just two days ago, where uh, Putin alluded to it and the Russians allude to it all the time. They lost 27 million people during World War II. It's, it's unbelievable. It's like 60 times the number, raw number of people, let alone the percentage of people, but 60 times the raw number of people that America lost in World War II fighting on both fronts. 
And the Russians, of course, were really only fighting on one front. They, they only had troops who had their hands full driving the Germans back out of Russia and then eventually capturing the eastern part of Germany. Uh, the point about this is that one of the things that many people don't know, and it's, it's very well documented, this is not just a scare story or something like that, that when they were defending Stalingrad, which was one of the key battles of the war, literally Stalin had given orders that uh, there were Russian troops standing behind other Russian troops threatening to kill them if they ran away or if they didn't fight. So you had German guns in front of you. You had the guns of your fellow communists, your fellow Russians behind you. And what an unbelievable nightmare and what an unbelievable level of killing that uh, occurred. And Stalin actually killed literally millions. It's a minimum of three million. It could be as high as seven million. Ukrainians in the Holodomor, in the forced hunger famines, that was before Hitler had actually begun killing Jews. And, uh, and, and by the way, it's not too much to say that because the entire world uh, basically just shrugged at the uh, death of millions of Ukrainians under Stalin, uh, uh, it basically encouraged Hitler's, uh, not that he needed much encouragement, but encouraged the idea that he could have the kind of genocidal policies that he did, liquidating literally millions of people, and somehow get away with it. The uh, bill which DeSantis signed uh, would uh, require the instruction to begin in the 2023-2024 school year. It would require teaching of uh, Joseph Stalin, Mao Zedong, and Fidel Castro, as well as poverty, starvation, migration, systemic, lethal violence, and suppression of speech endured under those communist regimes. That body count of Mao is something that everybody needs to understand because it is a direct result of this communist ideology, DeSantis said. What body count? 75 million. That's what the historians say now. Noting that uh, tens of millions of people killed in China under his rule. I know that we don't need legislation here to do this, but I think it's our responsibility to make sure people know about the atrocities committed by people like Fidel Castro, and even more recently, people like Nicolas Maduro. Uh, the, um, uh, uh, there's a uh, comment from a head, uh, Armando Ibarra, who's president of Miami Young Republicans. He says, there are so many people in our community who have suffered and our own family members have suffered. And to us, it's so gratifying to honor them. He uh, is the founder of the Florida Commission of Victims of Communism. Ibarra's group works closely with Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation, an international organization that commemorates the victims of communism and promotes education on the evils of communist regimes. The organization has developed its own curriculum, uh, one of the materials on which the State Board of Education will model its own lessons, said Miami Senator um, Manny Diaz, who was appointed last week as the state's new education commissioner. Uh, look, 
there are so many people who don't know what the Cold War was. And even children of people who fought in Korea, which was part of the battle against communism and communism taking over the world, and people who fought in Vietnam, which was a crucial battleground against international communism, uh, the idea that people should know uh, more about Hitler and Nazism when there is, is virtually no current force of Nazism, communism is still a force. Look at North Korea. And uh, China remains the world's most populous country, officially a communist power. And part of the horrors of what they're going through right now in Shanghai and elsewhere and in, in Hong Kong and su suppression of any flame of liberty or enlightenment, suppression by a tyrannical communist regime, these regimes are relevant. And uh, the uh, requirement that people should learn about this, and I know, then people say, oh, DeSantis wants people to learn about what communists did far away. What he doesn't want people to learn about is slavery and what people did right here in the United States. That's not true. It is crucial. No one, no one can claim to be an informed or uh, responsible American without some knowledge of the horrible depredations of slavery, or the crime of slavery. But that also includes putting it in context. The United States didn't invent slavery. Uh, the, uh, and the, the fact is, the level of uh, oppression and horror that was real and part of slavery, the United States was a relatively small part of that. We've talked about this before, but it's very important to know. Uh, 4% of the people who were kidnapped from Africa and brutally carried across the ocean uh, to somewhere in the New World, 4% eventually made it to the United States. And others went to the West Indies, Brazil, uh, all of South America. They just have a, a new member of parliament in Colombia who is part of that African diaspora. None of this means that slavery shouldn't be learned. It's a very crucial chapter in American history and the failures of Reconstruction and all of it. But for people to grow up in the United States of America in a, uh, in a moment where our country is called again, John Kennedy had a wonderful phrase in his inaugural address, now the trumpet summons us again. And yes, uh, America must do the great job, the great task to which we have been called, which is to stand up against tyranny of every kind as this greatest nation on God's green earth.